0: Well, let's make our confession. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost in power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. We want to continue with the uh, series that we've been teaching for the last several weeks, Steps to Answered Prayer. And we're using as a text scripture, John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. Jesus speaking to his disciples said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Jesus is talking about a place of fellowship with God the Father. And I use the word fellowship instead of the word relationship because every child of God, every person that accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior is in a relationship with God. Now, what we do with that relationship is entirely up to us. We can develop that uh, relationship or increase our fellowship with him according to our own desires, according to our choice and our will. So Jesus is saying here, if you abide in him and his word abides in you, that the the word abiding in you had been left out, then we could say that everybody that's in a relationship with God, everybody that's been saved by the blood of Jesus, would have a prayer life, a dynamic prayer life where your prayers were always answered. But he put a qualifier in there. If you abide in me and... My words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. God wants your prayers answered. Notice it says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. God wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to have a dynamic prayer life. He wants us to have our prayers answered. So in these steps to answered prayer, the first step is decide what you want from God. And then find scriptures that promise you that, that, that whatever it is you desire. Next, we need to put, make sure that those words, the scriptures that promise us what we desire, make them a part of us, meditate in them, speak them to ourselves to establish the truth of the word in our hearts. It's important for us to have a a specific prayer, a a specific desire. I know a lot of people just seem to have the idea that whatever God wants for you, he's just going to make it happen. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that God just takes care of us and gives us whatever he wants us to have. Notice how many times this word you is used in John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, a lot of times people get hung up on that, the phrase, you shall ask what you will. But folks, if you found scriptures that promise you what you desire, if you found ammunition against the devil to be able to stand strong in faith, then you're not going to be asking for anything outside the will of God. God's word is his will. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if you back up a few verses, I think it's verse 13, it says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then it shows the qualifiers. How can they believe in him who they've not heard? How shall they hear of him without a preacher? In other words, it says that the word of God is is defining and revealing what his will is. If you found scriptures that promise you what you desire from the Lord, then you found the will of God. God's word is his will. As a result, we often say that faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Brother Hagin used to say it this way, you can't believe God beyond actual knowledge. Your knowledge of his will is as far as you're ever going to be able to go in receiving from him. Faith begins for the will of God is known. Now look with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 is a very important scripture. It says, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If faith begins for the will of God is known, then we could substitute for this word faith the will of god without the will of god without knowledge of god's will it's impossible to please him because you'll never be beyond you'll never believe beyond actual knowledge of the will of god for your life so without faith it's impossible to please him therefore it means without knowledge of his will it's impossible to please him Now, why is it impossible to please him without that? Notice it says God requires those that come to him to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith because it's impossible to receive from God without faith. And God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Folks, God demands faith from us for one and only one reason, and that is because without that faith, it's impossible to to receive from him. Now, in James chapter 1, James picks up on this. James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations couple of things first. This book of James is the first letter that was written to the church. It was given to the church before the four Gospels were written, before any of the letters to the churches, before any of the books that Paul wrote or the letters that Paul wrote. This is the earliest recorded Scripture of the New Testament that the church has record of. Now James, who's the half-brother of Jesus and the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, church history tells us that James that Jesus appeared to James, and as a result, established him as the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. So James is writing in the first generation of the church and the first thing that he talks about is the trouble that they're experiencing. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect in the tire wanting nothing. Folks, Most of our Christian lives is spent between asking God for what we want and receiving the answer. It doesn't take long to pray the prayer of faith, but sometimes it takes a long time for that faith to be realized and for us to have the results that we seek from God most of our Christian life is lived between I believe I receive amen and when we have the results that we've sought God for First Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 Paul said it this way He's writing to Timothy, and he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Our Christian lives should be a fight of faith. No, we're not fighting with God over it. We're not fighting with God over the possibility or the determination. To receive an answer for our prayers, God's not our obstacle. He's not our enemy. He's not the hindrance. He's not withholding anything from us. In fact, the Bible says that since we know how to be good parents to our children and give them good things, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give good things to them that ask Him? But we've seen several times in the scripture. Where prayer answers were held back, not because of God, not because of God's doing, but because the the devil and evil spirits come alongside us in our Christian walk and try to convince us and pervert the will of God, convince us that God doesn't hear and answer prayer, or at least that he doesn't hear and answer our prayer. Now, in James chapter 1, I want you to notice this again. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, folks, I want you to realize that there's a progression that takes place in these scriptures. He starts off by saying the trouble, the affliction, the adversity that we find ourselves embroiled with, in our Christian walk, our daily walk with God, it's just the way things work. The devil is an equal opportunity to destroyer, and the devil's going to try to hinder us from our walk with God, try to hinder us from getting answers to our prayers, try to hinder us from believing that God's with us and on our side. So then he, he speaks of asking for faith, or asking for wisdom, excuse me. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now this wisdom that he's talking about must be specific wisdom pertaining to the trouble that we're in. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 that Christ has made unto us wisdom. In other words, Paul is talking about the fact that once we come into the kingdom of God, once we come into the family of God, then wisdom is imparted to us. is made available to us just like the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. But here James is talking about a different kind of wisdom. The wisdom he's talking about must be a wisdom where we seek and find what we're supposed to do in the present trouble that we're in. And when he talks about that, he speaks of how faith is necessary to take hold of the wisdom that we need for our present trouble. Verse 6, it says, Let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. But let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Notice he goes from talking about wisdom in your specific trouble to wisdom that reveals that anything that we receive from the Lord comes by faith. Faith is necessary to receive anything and everything from God. What can you identify in your Christian walk that you receive from God without faith? At the very least, the only possible thing that we can point to receiving from God without faith is something that God, by His own mercy, initiated to bring into our lives just to show us and reveal to us how much He loves us and what a good heavenly father he is. Every other thing that we can identify that God has done for us or brought to us in our Christian walk has always come through faith. Faith is the only way that we can receive from God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God desires so much to give to you and me that he is displeased when, through a lack of faith, he cannot give to us. The only thing that pleases God is when we identify and gain knowledge of his will so that we can extend our faith to receive the good things that he has for us. So Jesus tells us again in John chapter 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. He's talking about a growing fellowship. He's talking about a development of the relationship that we enter into when we become a part of his family, when we claim Jesus as the Lord of our lives. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you of my heavenly Father. Now, Jesus talks about this in Mark chapter 11, after he cursed the fig tree and the disciples to bring it to his attention the next day, how the tree is withered up up from the roots and it's a dead tree. Jesus identifies that faith was the means or the method by which this tree died. So he tells them, have faith in God or have the faith of God. I like to look at it as the God kind of faith. And the Bible says that we have received a measure of the God kind of faith, the same kind of faith that created the universe. Now, folks, our faith certainly is on a different level and a different plane than God's faith. But other than measure, the measure of the faith of God and the measure of faith that we've developed in our own lives. That's the only difference between the, God, the faith that God used to create the universe and the faith that we use to operate in our Christian walk. Well, that would make sense if we recognized and remember that God created man in, our own, in his own image. and created in in his own image for the purpose of exercising authority and dominion in the earth how could we exercise dominion in the earth if we don't have the same faith that god used to create the universe folks god's not trying to withhold these things from us it's just our lack of knowledge and lack of understanding that keeps us out of these truths. So Jesus said, talking about how faith works, Mark eleven twenty three, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Faith is believing with the heart and confessing with the mouth. Then he goes further and tells us how faith works in prayer. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now he talks about the difference between believing you receive and having Believing you receive is taking the resources of heaven and of the spirit realm and bringing them into reality. Having is the physical reality of the thing that you desired and the things that you prayed for. But there's a phrase that Jesus uses here in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, that I think every Christian should incorporate into their Christian walk. And that's the phrase, believe you receive. I see people try to change the wording of what Jesus used in Mark eleven twenty four, 24 and say it in their own way. And they never have the same success with it as when you use the words that Jesus said. Jesus said that we are to believe that we receive when we pray. In other words, to believe that God heard us and answered our prayer. Now, I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, because this is an important revelation. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now notice that phrase, if we ask anything according to his will. Much of the church world takes scriptures like this and prays, if it be thy will, in just about everything that they talk to God about. Now we see in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he prayed, according to the will of God, he prayed something similar to this. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but thy will be done. Now, folks, it was possible for it to pass from him. It was possible for Jesus not to take upon the judgment of mankind and the judgment of sin. Now, if he hadn't taken it upon himself, then we wouldn't be able to have salvation. There would be no hope for mankind. Every individual upon their physical death would would pay the price of eternity for our wrongdoing. So when Jesus prayed, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, he could have changed everything and ended the plan of redemption at that moment. But he knew that he was there to do the will of the Father. He knew that's the reason why he came to the earth. So he added to that, nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Now, folks, where else do we see Jesus praying that prayer? We see him praying it in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's clear to see why he prayed it there. He knew the punishment that he would have to bear was almost without understanding. But when he stands before Lazarus' tomb, does he pray, if it be thy will, let Lazarus come forth? Jesus said some very interesting things standing before Lazarus' tomb. Before he commanded Lazarus to come out, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and that you always hear me. But for these that are standing by, I said this. In other words, one of the things we're supposed to get from the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead is an understanding that Jesus always was heard by his Father. Now, did I leave you in 1 John chapter 5? Let's read this again. Verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always, then Jesus is identifying that he always prayed according to the will of the Father. That means when Jesus ministered to the sick, he's ministering according to the will of the Father. That means the fact that Jesus never turned anybody away that came to him to be healed is doing the will of the Father. Folks, I think it's important that we make a differentiation between the fact, and it is a fact, that there were people in Jesus' ministry that were not healed. In John chapter 5, for example, when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda and he healed the one man that was too slow to get in when the angel would come down and trouble the water, you remember? He, he asked, Jesus asked him, Wilt thou be made whole? And he complained that he didn't have anybody to put him in the water fast enough so that he could receive what he wanted from God. Jesus told him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And he did. And then the Bible says that Jesus conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. In other words, Jesus left a lot of people that were sick laying by the pool of Bethesda. So there were cases and situations, same thing happened, or a similar thing happened in Mark chapter 6 when Jesus was in his own hometown of Nazareth. They refused to believe, and so Jesus was not able there to do any mighty work. He didn't heal any cripples. He didn't cleanse any lepers. He didn't open any blind eyes, and he marveled at their unbelief. It says he could there do no mighty work doesn't say that he wouldn't it says that he couldn't he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sickly folks a few folks with minor ailments not too much wrong with them but he marveled because of their unbelief well here here's the whole town full of people we don't know how many sick people there would be but we would certainly expect there to be some And Jesus was unable because of their unbelief, not because of God's will, but because of their unbelief, he was not able to manifest the healing power of God on their behalf. So there were people in Jesus' ministry that were not healed, but there's never a case where somebody came to him for healing that failed to receive. There's not one instance of anybody by determination of their own will that came to receive from Jesus healing for their physical body that Jesus said, no, it's not God's will for you to be healed. Healing is always God's will. God is no respecter of persons and he cannot change. So what he wants for one, he wants for all. The blessings of God that he wants for one, are the blessings of God that he wants for all. So this is the confidence that we have in him, 1 John 5, 14 says, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if or since we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, let's break that down a little bit into steps. If we know that God hears us when we pray, then according to the Scripture, we can know that we have the things that we've asked him to do. That's why this first step of answered prayer, deciding what you want from God, and find scriptures that promise you those things and get those scriptures down on the inside of you and be ready to use them against the devil when he comes. It's of utmost importance to to identify and to believe that we know the will of God and speak the will of God in prayer. Jesus said it just as simply as this, folks. If we know that God hears us, then we know that he has, we have the answer to our prayer. Well, how are we going to know that he hears us when we've prayed his will or prayed according to his will? Now, that's not the, the process of just throwing a prayer up there and hoping that God hears it because we've stumbled onto his will. No, we found those scriptures that promises the things that we ask for, and since God's word is His will, then we know that we've have the will. We know that we've tapped into the will of God in the things that we seek, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Folks, praying the word is so important. Praying the scriptures that promises the things that we want things that we desire from God is so important. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we found the word on the subject, then we found the will of God on the subject. And if or since we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desire from him. Now, this is the kind of prayer that always gets an answer. This is the kind of prayer that always receives from God. This is the prayer of faith in operation. So step two then, after we found the scriptures that promises the things that we want, Step two is to ask God for what we want and believe that we receive them when we pray. In other words, believe that he's heard us because we've prayed his will and believe that the answer is on its way. We don't yet see it. We can't identify in physical reality that what we prayed for is ours. But by faith, we believe that we receive it. Now, that's when the prayer battle starts. After we've prayed, after we've taken step two, ask God for the things that we want and believe we receive it when we pray, that's when the prayer battle begins. Step three is to control our thoughts. Don't allow any thought, any impression, any reasoning, any feeling, any image, any dream. Don't allow anything that doesn't contribute to our faith or acknowledge that we have believed that we received from the Father. Don't let anything... Control your thought life or invade your thought life. Remove every evil thought of doubt. Do away with every image, feeling, witness, or whatever. And dwell only on the thoughts. That contribute to your faith, that acknowledge the reality that we have prayed the will of God and He has heard us, therefore, the answer is ours. Now, the Bible tells us that the devil has only one means of attack, and that is deception. And that deception is designed to make us turn loose of our profession of faith. I believe it's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 said, Hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering, for God is faithful that promised. Well, that tells us that the the only way the devil can operate against us is to try to make us turn loose of our confession, turn loose of the, the scriptures. That we found that promises the things that we desire from the Lord to bring circumstances into our life to try to convince us that our prayer of faith has gone unanswered. So what do we do? We're living in between the, I believe I receive, amen, and the appearance or the having in physical form of the things that we desire. What do we do? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, there were two characteristics of Abraham's faith, the faith that we are identified To follow, as our example, Romans chapter 4, verse 17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Two characteristics that the Bible identifies concerning Abraham's strong faith The first is that he gave glory to God for the things that he could not yet see. He gave glory to God. He offered the sacrifice of praise, as it says in other places. He offered the sacrifice of praise unto God, irrespective of the fact, the physical fact, that he could not yet see the result. Then the second thing, it says he became fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. How do you get fully persuaded that God will do what he said he'll do? Folks, there's only one way you can do that, and that is by continuing to profess the truth of the scriptures that you found that promise you the thing that you asked for. Maintain constantly the fact that God is faithful and able to get your answer to you. We can look in the Old Testament time after time to situations where Israel was facing enemies, outnumbered in many cases, and the word of the Lord came to them saying that God would fight the battle for them. And so what did they do? They put the singers and the praisers out in front of the army. And the singers and the praisers began to lift their voice and sing of the mercy of God. And the Bible says when they began to sing... The Lord said ambushments, and the enemies of Israel fought against each other and killed every last one of them. Remember that James started off his letter by saying, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The reason we have to count it joy is because it's not joyful. The reason we have to offer the sacrifice of praise is because when we are in the midst of trouble, we don't feel like praising God. And the circumstances may be such that it looks like our prayer has gone unanswered. But when they began to sing and to praise, that's when the Lord said ambushments. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 19, or Acts chapter 16, that Paul and Silas were put in jail for casting the devil out of a little girl that was a fortune teller. And so they were beaten as a result and cast into the innermost prison. But at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, folks, what are they singing about? Their backs were bleeding. they've been put in the worst part of the jail, all because they got a little girl set free from the power of the devil. So they prayed and they sang praises unto God, and the other prisoners heard them. What do you think they're praying about? Well, if it was me, I'd be praying about getting out of the prison. What else would they pray for? They're not going to reach the city from the prison. And remember, they had seen a vision in the night where they saw a man from Macedonia, the city of Philippi, the chief city of Macedonia was Philippi. So, how are they going to reach the city of Philippi from the innermost prison? So, I think it's a given that what they prayed for was to be set free. But they didn't just pray, they prayed and sang praises unto God. And the other prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. And the earthquake broke all the bonds off of the people's hands and feet. The earthquake set them free. Folks, most of the time, earthquakes that we're familiar with don't bring about positive results, but they bring forth destruction. But not this earthquake. This earthquake was targeted to cause change to fall off people's hands and feet. It opened the prison doors, and the jailer realized what was going on and came down to where they were. And even though the people, the prisoners, All the prisoners' bands were loosed. Chains were broken. Nobody has moved in any form whatsoever. Everybody's just sitting there waiting to see what these two guys are going to do next. So, step four praise your way to victory. means that we're going to have to lift our voice in praise and thanksgiving for the things that we don't yet see, the answers to our prayer that we don't yet realize. And folks, that's the pattern for the Christian walk. We are supposed to be a people of thanksgiving and the reason for that is because of the things that we desired from God. We found scriptures that promise them to us. We're convinced of his will because we found those scriptures. We make those scriptures a part of our innermost being. We meditate in those scriptures. We realize and recognize that the ammunition, these scriptures are ammunition to protect us from when the devil chums and tries to bring thoughts and evil thoughts to us. We pray and ask God for the things that we desire and believe that we receive them when we pray. From that point, everything about our lives, everything that the devil does and influences in our lives, becomes a matter of controlling our thoughts only thinking on those thoughts that contribute to our faith only thinking of those thoughts or entertaining those thoughts that magnify the faithfulness of God and then step four is that we live a life of thanksgiving and praise And that's what Paul calls the good fight of faith. Folks, we live in perilous times. We live in times that are strength-reducing or intended to be strength-reducing times. When we look at the world around us and the things that the direction that the world is taking. We need to be wise enough to recognize how the power of God is going to be manifested in these last days. In 2020, during the COVID outbreak, things changed dramatically for the church. People changed the way that they do church. There was the lockdown. And during that time, the church was identified as a non-essential activity. So here's the government taking a position against the church or recognizing or failing to recognize that the church has value. And there were a lot of things that were identified, a lot of things that were revealed during the COVID pandemic. We found out what people would put up with. We found that people would follow the government's dictates even though it interfered with their daily activities. So many things that were required during that time have since been realized and revealed to have been just foolish activity. This social distancing thing, you remember there's supposed to be six feet between people? The CDC has admitted that that was just a random number. They admitted that there was no scientific study that identified that it would provide safety or protection from anybody they just arbitrarily picked six feet the same cdc and world health organization did something very similar with the mask mandate I don't know if you remember it, but there was one time toward the end of the mask mandate that the CDC recommended that people wear two and three masks. (laughs) There has never been a study before or since that concluded that masks provide any benefit whatsoever or any protection whatsoever from the COVID virus. And the reality is, if you can breathe through the mask, then the mask is not stopping the virus. It's like building a chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes. (laughs) But it changed so many things. In Europe, Less than half the churches that existed before the COVID pandemic opened back up at all. Folks, these things were orchestrated and purposely directed by the devil. So we see that the devil used fear of sickness to exercise control over people. But well, what do you think then is going to be one of the means and methods whereby the Holy Ghost manifests himself in the last days, if not concerning healing for the physical body? We serve the great healer. Folks, I want to encourage you to begin confessing scriptures of power over fear. Psalm 27, verse 1, for example, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 41, verse 10. Speaks of the Lord upholding us with the right hand of his righteousness strengthening us keeping oppression from us because we don't fear the last day church has to be a bold church the last day church has to be a church that knows what it knows and is sure of what it believes I would like to think that God would do things in the political arena to bring our country back to the place of freedom that it used to be, but I don't have any confidence in that. I'd like to think that it happens, and if it does happen, I'll be one of the greatest cheerleaders for the for the completion of it. But I don't have any confidence in man. I don't have any confidence in politicians. I don't have any confidence even in the politicians that might represent my statement of beliefs. But I tell you what I do have confidence in, the name of Jesus. And I am looking forward to and firmly believe that the power of the Holy Ghost will be seen and shown to be greater than the power of anything the devil could or possibly possibly could do or claim to do. But it's going to take a people that knows who they are in Christ. A people that know who they believe in. A people who are committed to the power of God and a people that are filled with the word of God. I don't believe there's ever been a more important time For us to know, I don't mean think about or hope for, but to know how to get answers to our prayers. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for the privilege that we have to read and to study your word, to make it a part of our our innermost being. We thank you, Father, Father, for protecting us your word says that you know what we have need of before we ask but you've taught us how to ask in such a way that we can know that we get the answers to prayers every time. Father, strengthen us, cause us to know, like never before, the power in the name of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray, amen, amen. Let's make her confession one more time before we go. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a great day.